Hi, and welcome to Queer Fear, a podcast discussing all the ways society is afraid of queer people and all the ways society makes queer people afraid. I'm Jacob Hyde, and I'm a cisgender queer college student studying cognitive science in hopes of figuring out how to change the ways people are programmed to think. On today's episode, I've assembled a panel of my most intellectually minded friends to discuss queer representation in film and television. What's going on, y'all? Yeah. Okay, hey, if you just want to go around and like say your names or introduce yourselves or whatever. My name is Barr. Um, I'm a first year ICC studying neuroscience. My name is Akiva. I'm also a first year and I'm also studying neuroscience. My name is Zach. Um, I'm a first year. I'm, I'm studying mechanical engineering um, and I'm Jake's sweetmate. I'm Andrew. I'm a first year studying public health. I'm Nico. I'm a first year studying probability and statistics. I'm Angelica. I'm a first year studying critical gender studies. Woo! Okay, so this is hopefully just going to be very like freewheeling, fluid, laid back. I just want everyone to be as like honest as possible. If you like disagree with what everyone is saying, bring that up because basically the whole point is just to like create a dialogue. So the first thing I want to do, just sort of like casually, just like can just like shout it out or whatever how like can you name like queer characters currently on tv shows yes okay just go. um mitch and cam modern i was family. gonna yeah, say go. mitch modern and cam family. family um oh god who else is gay brooklyn 99 the wife and friends Blossom. oh yeah the two yeah in broad city one of the characters is like yeah, Alana, Alana is. Yeah. Aiden on Teen Wolf? Is it Aiden? Well, everyone on Teen Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, Glee, a lot of the characters. Yeah, Glee. Yeah. Tog and Scrubs is like oh, the a, Tog. Yeah. yeah, is like a, oh. is like a controversially is gay. Yeah. Okay. Um. So that was probably like. Or the, the girl in. Um, oh, the Handmaid's Tale. Tale? Handmaid's yeah, Tale. Samira Wiley's character in Handmaid's Tale. Isn't there some? I don't watch this show, but I feel like in like How to Get Away with Murder, there's like. Oh. Oh, uh, How to Get Away with Murder. Connor Walsh Connor and, and Oliver. Oliver. Yeah. Okay, so that was like a pretty. Oh, and Annalise. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Annalise. What an interesting what time. Yeah. So that's like nine-ish shows that we could think of off the top of our heads, and like three of those are not even like running still. Like a good amount of them, so just that's like a little indicator of like what's in the mainstream. Um, so just in general, I just would like how do you, like what do you guys feel personally about like queer representation in the media? Do you think there's like too little, too much, just enough? Like how do you feel about the like diversity involved in it? Definitely too little, but I think that the way that gay people are, or just queer people are portrayed, it's like it's very stereotypical a lot of the times you know it's like they're just like placed into a box something that but something that's really counter hegemonic is uh raymond holt in brooklyn 99 but really apart from that you look at someone like mitch and can it's like they're all have that same personality you know that Mm -hmm. society expects out of like queer people yeah like especially for like on tv shows like they're very like niche cast where they all like display the exact same characteristics and like they're very typically very flamboyant and like very most of the time openly gay I feel like and they have like that if they're men anyway have like the weird like feminine characteristics and then are portrayed very emasculated and like it's very uh, uh, it's pretty reductive exactly yeah it's super reductive I think a lot I think okay I think A I think that we're progressing I think there is progress being made as far as like 
how Netflix portrays queer people, I think that's really good. And like, I mean, you do have like some that have characteristics, like Zach was saying, but like, there are also like, there's like the Annalise thing. Like, I didn't go into that. She didn't have like stereotypical like mm -hmm. character characteristics of a bisexual woman that you would see portrayed. And so that's like progress, but I definitely think there needs to be more just because it's just disproportionately portrayed or um, I also feel like the popular um, representation of queer people is like also like I guess I'll focus on like gay men. It's like the popular image is like a young white cis man. So it's like it still kind of like leans toward that image and kind of rarely goes to other like races or like presentations of who can be queer and what's and like who's allowed to be queer and open mm, about definitely. it yeah those are all really good points and a lot of the reading i was doing it actually was bringing up the point that like tv specifically has been a huge like you know we're seeing this revolution in tv where like all of it is like online streaming services now and like it used to just be like really shitty shows and now it's really really high quality well done like million dollar budget shows like Big Little Lies or whatever that has three huge A-list stars and that you're actually seeing like a lot more progression there than you actually are seeing like in Hollywood or on the silver screen um and so I think that's like interesting and not exactly sure why that's happening but I think it is sort of indicative of there's more it's more problematic with Hollywood because it's more like I think Hollywood reaches more people and they're like you know, movies are like one-off, so it's way harder to like deal with a big controversy in a movie. Um, so that kind of segues into my next point. I want to talk about like sort of, I don't know, I don't know how to say this without sounding biased, like tokenization and like um, progress in air quotes of recent movies. So I wanted to talk specifically about like Finding Dory and Star Trek. Um, so, you know, the whole, there's that whole thing with Finding Dory where there's the, like, gay couple, there's the two women, and they're pushing a baby stroller, and there was, like, a huge backlash over that. Um, what did you guys feel about that whole, like, situation? Well, I mean, in the B movie, like, there was, like, people, no one flipped out when, like, Barry and a, like, a bee and a human yeah. were in a relationship, yeah. but, like, people were freaking out when two women were in a relationship, so that was... Definitely a bit of yeah, two human <laughs> women versus a bee and a human. So yeah. there was definitely a bit of an yeah. overreaction there. Yeah, I agree with that. And like, I just think, I don't know. Like, I think it's interesting that people, especially from the standpoint of like, in, like in a cart, like in a cartoon or even something where that's not even the main focus, people all of a sudden find it offensive when it's just even in the background and like isn't even being, like it is in itself a like. Let's say revolutionary, but like it's something where it's like it's being made um, known and like being like stated like this is the way people are like deal with it, but it's in a very like background esque sort of way, and yet people still brought it to the foreground and made it this bigger deal that I don't think it needed to be made. Although making it a big deal is also progressively important to like overcoming and bettering society, I think, and like becoming more interested or in that. Yeah, and I think like we've talked about the fact that we've made progress, and yes, we have, but I think things like this show that like we still have so much work to do and so much progress to still make. Um, and I think also this relates to like like what you're saying about queer fear because this is like a children's movie, mm -hmm. and people tend to be more sensitive about 
like queer representation in children's movies because there's this like idea of like this fear of like children being yeah. corrupted, which is obviously like okay. yeah, probably I, not anything ridiculous. I agree with that because like I think when it comes to people's kids, they want to shelter them from everything, which I think is pointless because like sheltering that like regardless your kid at some point is going to go on the internet and everything's on the internet and if they have questions about that it's going to be there the answers are there so i don't understand like for me i'm just like why would you shelter someone and not tell them it's okay like if you're sheltering them you're essentially telling them it's not okay right because that's like just you're like oh you should know this but like i just feel like the whole thing that happened with the two moms that is like so minor and like didn't like Box Trolls come out, and that was, like... Um, box like Trolls a, talks about yeah. in, like, I think one of the Box Trolls says something about, like, yeah. or the narrator says, like, oh, there's all kinds of families, yeah. families with no parents and families with one dad or two dads or three moms. Yeah. yeah. And, like, I think that is really awesome, yeah. but, like, two moms in the background of a movie, like, people need to chill. And, Thank like, you. And, like, <laughs> my problem with a lot of that, like, the controversy, like, obviously did not surprise me. My problem really is that I think it's very dishonest of the filmmakers to make that claim. So I, my like three examples sort of are Finding Dory, Star Trek Beyond with uh, Sulu, and then uh, Beauty and the Beast recently, where they like make these public announcements where they're like, yeah, we have a gay character, and then it becomes this controversy, and it means they get more money and publicity, and then you go see the movie, and in Finding Dory, there's no explicit like statement, or there's no clear indication that they are like queer women, or that they're in a relationship. It's just that there are two women standing next to each other, and one of them is pushing a pram. Like they could be sisters, and like one of them is like wearing dark colors and has short hair. Like it's almost like offensive that they're like, "Look, we have queer characters." It, to me, it feels tokenizing, yeah. and they're in like two frames of the movie. Yeah. Like. Yeah, I think, like, on the one hand, like, yeah, this could be seen as, like, tokenizing or them trying to, like, profit off of putting, like, queer characters and publicity stunt type of thing. But on the other hand, like, filmmakers putting, like, queer characters in kind of, like, subtly and just, like, not without making a big deal out of it can also be seen as kind of, like, normalizing queer relationships where it could be seen as, like, a positive thing. It can very easily be taken both ways. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, like, the part that I find crazy is, like, when stuff like that, when like especially like what Farhan and Keith, what both of you said, using words like um, uh, like sheltering or protecting, like as far as like parents go with kids in like this kind of thing, it's almost like the queer community is becoming, or we're coming farther away from this, but especially before was definitely seen as like almost a different breed of human, and like I think we're coming more away from that, but I think movies like this and things like that, where like you're tokenizing gay characters to like to overcome that controversy can go one of either way. And I think that's definitely something that's an issue. So what do you guys think about the progressiveness or lack thereof of, like, tokenizing? I'm not, like, really against having those sort of queer embedded characters, but I do think the main motivation for these studios and filmmakers is money and attention and not... Because the, like, the characters in Finding Dory are literally in like two frames, and there's no real indication, so I don't think anyone who w- was watching it would have known that they were queer if they hadn't made a big deal. Which is the same thing with like LeFou and Beauty and the Beast, you know, they made that announcement, and it was like banned in Russia and like Indonesia and stuff, which like is good because it brings about that dialogue and it gets people talking. But then you see the movie, and like, I mean, I'll talk about this later, but 
LeFou is already sort of a queer-coded character, which is a term that people apply to Disney a lot historically, but the only real indication of his gayness besides his whole relationship with Gaston is that in the end of the movie, he, like, accidentally dances with a dude for two seconds, like, during the credits. Like... I mean, like, going back to the whole Finding Dory thing, I mean, it's... I think it's a good thing that they're at least present, you know I mean? It's definitely, like, part of that effort to like bring that into the mainstream so i i definitely construe it to be something positive you know that's just my opinion yeah i mean yeah it definitely is a complicated and it's like better than nothing yeah really. and it's better than like the alternative which is like negative like straight shows. up homophobia yeah which sort of segues into my next bit of talking a lot about um I don't know. This surprised me, and I also wasn't raised on Disney, but I don't know how you guys will feel, because I think it's so, like, subtle in its own way that you don't notice it as a, as a kid, but so many Disney movies have, like, gay male villains. So my when I'm writing my analysis, I'm talking about queer fear and how the two ways that kids are taught to interact specifically with queer men is to laugh at them or be afraid and contemptuous. And so we have, like... You know, we have a lot of, like, movies where there are gay characters or, or there's, like, the gay best friend and he's just, like, sassy and, like, snaps a lot and is like, hey, girl, like, and so you're just taught to laugh at him and he has, like, no personality, really. Um, and, I mean, you could say that sort of about shows like Modern Family. I mean, I do think there was a recent controversy with that where the character who played, uh, like, uh, Mitchell or whichever one said someone... Uh, a gay man criticized him for playing a stereotypical character and he said that's just what I'm like I'm representing real people we can't represent every gay man which I think is very valid um, but so villains specifically in gay movies um, are, all have this sort of queer coded very very stereotypical like effeminate gay man stereotype so uh, Jafar and Aladdin they basically, they all even have similar, like, physical traits. A lot of them have, like, little, like, pencil-thin mustaches, and they all have, like, limp <laughs> wrists, which is literally, like, a, like, homophobic slur. Someday if you say someone's, like, limp-wristed, that's, like, a code for, like, they're a gay man. Um, uh, Shere Khan in the Jungle Book, the tiger, he always is, like, picking his nails, and he's like, ooh. Um, Ka the snake, um, he literally, like, tries to eat Mowgli and calls him a delicious man-cub. Um, you have Hades from Hercules is, like literally like a scene gay man like he's just clubbing um ursula actually is like a is an interesting portrayal because it's actually sort of an homage to a really famous drag queen divine who i think died right before or like during while the movie was happening but again all of these characters are like villains and they all have the same like characteristics and i don't know to me it's not you know you don't think, if you asked a Disney executive, they'd be like, those aren't gay characters, that's just what they're like. But the, like, lesson you're teaching kids is that, like, you should be afraid of people with, like, this kind of voice and who act this way and, like, make these gestures. Yeah. Um, so true. I'm realizing all these things. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that guy in, um, Princess and the Frog, the, like, bad guy? Yeah. Like, he, like, Doctor... like, oh my god, that guy too. Facilier, I think. Something. Yeah, they're like, like, yeah, they're yeah. always like, yeah. they're all They're all like, and then Moana, that the crab, like the one oh, who's, yeah. I mean, was it wasn't like as, but yeah, Jermaine Clemens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was more of an homage to David Bowie, right? But like, yeah, but also, also, <laughs> David, yeah, also I mean, David Bowie, also David quick. Bowie, so. <laughs> um, just a little bit. Yeah, and I think it's so like. 
don't know. I think it's so weird and sort of like sinister in its own way that because you can deny it like all you want. Like there's literally no evidence except mm -hmm. that like looking back like as a queer man, I didn't watch like most of these movies growing up. And I there's a documentary on Netflix called Do I Sound Gay? And there's a small part where they talk about these Disney characters and like they would show clips and I was like, holy shit, all these characters are like men with sort of like gay specific accents that are like obsessed with other men. Like that's their like defining characteristic. Like uh, Captain Hook too. He's like obsessed with this young boy and with like attaining his like youthful body. Like it's very weird. Yeah. When you read into it, yeah, it's just like, oh, like this is interesting that they all have the same yeah. general plot line. I feel like the fact that I'm so like, like, just, like this just went over my head as a kid. A attests to the fact that children are pure, and <laughs> if you tell them something, they're gonna believe you. So I think if we keep on promoting the normalization and like not only the normalization, like just the fact that like I don't feel like like in TV or in movies, there's no nuanced representation of a person. It has to have, it's like every character has to have something that like they're stereotypically like the Indian person always works in IT mm -hmm. or like the African American woman has to be sassy. Like, yeah. I feel like in any viewing experience, the characters are always very hyper polarized to be this Absolutely. way. And I feel like if we start incorporating more nuanced characters that just are real, like and represent everyone fairly maybe kids maybe a you won't have to shelter kids because it's not like well, you won't have to shelter kids anyway but like just like portraying regal people will make more sense and like promote progress plus you get more better tv too in the end anyway. yeah yeah i mean you can just yeah. be like there's a lot of shitty writers that just like <laughs> can't write good characters but yeah definitely the like nuances like yeah, I was just gonna say, like, if we're thinking, like, okay, so Disney is kind of, like, reinforcing the gender hierarchy, then mm. why aren't there, like, more female villains? Oh, totally. But I think, like, the answer would be, because, like, being a villain, like, you have a lot of agency, mm. and, like, Disney, like, wouldn't want to give, like, the females that much agency, because yeah. the females are more of, like, the ones being, like, saved, or the ones being targeted, you know what I mean? Yeah, even, like, I'm trying to, like, female Disney villains, like, princess movies, there's, like... Maleficent, and even oh. like she isn't like powerful until she like transforms her like woman's body into like a dragon. Yeah. And then Snow White, she's not really like violent, you know, she's sort of like. She's just petty. Yeah, and she uses poison, which like is called like the woman's weapon, because historically like most women murderers like use poison. Um, yeah. Or like which, Sleeping Beauty, I think, has a woman, a woman uh, antagonist. And the only other one I can think of like is Corella Deville, and that's not really even like. That's a. Disney movie, but it's not like as like princessy. I feel like so I don't know what yeah. like, like how you can portray that into like playing into it. Yeah, yeah, I feel like there's like a there's a increase in like portraying women as strong, which is mm -hmm. great. But like you're not. I mean, it's always like the antagonist is not like they're just really bad qualities, like totally. like pettiness and like the poison thing. That's yeah, not fair. and like obsession with beauty. Like in my like when I was googling just like what's the deal with like queer people portrayed, there was a they were also talking about like queer women, all these, like, queens are, like, pretty, like, have a lot of, like, stereotypical, like, gay qualities, like, they're very, like, handy or whatever, and they're all, like, very cold and aloof, and, like, Maleficent and the evil queen in Snow White obviously are, like, obsessed with, like, trying to, like, suck the, like, beauty out of this, like, young woman, which is just a terrible, like, message for young girls anyway, to, like, be afraid <laughs> of other women, and that you're always in, like, competition with women, and that the only thing that can save you is, like, a man. And, like, beauty is important. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I guess like I guess in like in the grander scheme of things too, like this finding like a perfect bone is really hard because finding qualities like this is really hard to pull away from because we're so used to it now. Like that, like these being the characteristics of villains. Because like I'm just like sitting here trying to think of like, oh, what would a villain then be like typically if we like go away from these like stereotypes like in cartoons because cartoons are like supposedly supposed to be uh like hype like over the top like showing all these characteristics like as greater than they are or like even like i don't know like the worst example i can think of is like the goofy movie where like goofy is like he shows all of his characteristics is like to the fullest potential and like you figure out that character type and like how he progresses like I can't think of, like, a movie like that working any other way unless, like, they have those characters. Yeah, we're definitely, like, stuck in a lot of archetypes. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, I'm just, I guess, like, from, like, a movie standpoint, like, a representation standpoint, like, I'm just, like, curious as to, like, where we can go from here to get over it. Okay, and so, just since we're talking about, like, lack of nuance in, like, all areas and basically the only characters that are truly well-rounded a lot of the time is, like, white people and usually, like, white, straight men. Which is terrible. Um... So I'm looking at the GLAAD page. So GLAAD every year does an overview of um, like cinema releases and they do statistics. Um, so major studio releases without any LGBT characters was 83%. This was 2015. Um, and of those, of the 17% of movies that had gay characters, 65% of them were gay men and 68% of them were white. So they're like, wow. I mean, I don't think that's surprising, really. That's surprising. Um, so let's talk about positive depictions, though, for fun. Um, so it's not just all negative. Um, or actually, first let's talk about the other side of queer representation. So there's, like, children and, like, villains and, like, comics, but then there's movies, like, about queerness, um... I don't know, the two that come to mind are like the Brokeback Mountain, and is it called The Dutch Woman? Yeah. The, the Danish Woman? The Danish Woman. Yeah. Yeah. Whichever, yeah. whichever yeah. Nordic yeah. woman. Yeah, imitation. The Danish Woman. In, imitation Game, too. <laughs> imitation Game. Yeah, the Imitation oh, Game. But it's not like the focus That's is not the main focus. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Which, like, well, it becomes more. Kind of, at the, at the later yeah, half of the yeah, movie, it becomes like really right, important. Right, yeah. Yeah. It, is, it is a story, but yeah. it wasn't like. Moonlight to a That wasn't what the statement was about, but it became important. Yeah. I need to watch that. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Have you not seen it? It is? Wait, what? Yeah. I haven't seen it. It's it's like, what? Oh, yeah, okay, we'll watch it. Okay, I'm watch it. Well, that's a, also a really good example of, like, the excuse commonly you hear from studios is that, like, the market for gay people, like, that doesn't sell, or mm-hmm. that, like, especially gay people of color, or queer people of color, that's not a marketable thing. Moonlight won an Oscar. Omar from The Wire is, oh, like, yeah. one of the most... Huge like popular characters yeah. in television history. So it just it kinda undermines the the assumption that like you can't make a profit off of like illustrating people. Yeah. yeah. Was, I was listening to a podcast that was talking about um uh like how like representation in cinema is one of the biggest reasons like why it's casted the way it is and how they were they were arguing for the fact this is actually a funhouse arguing this. I was talking about how like Avengers versus Fast and Furious and like what the difference is between that because Fast and Furious does terribly in the US but in the world it does amazingly. Globally it's one of it's the highest grossing movie I think in history and like continues to be whereas Avengers here in America does exceptionally well and then out of America doesn't do 
like percentage wise as well. And the argument for that is is that America is so ingrained in this like uh, this white stereotypic like cast set that like things like Avengers where almost everyone in that movie is white I think pretty much except for what the Phoenix or whatever his name is like Falcon the one Falcon yeah yeah, yeah. No, and Nick Fury like that's yeah. it like the two black characters pretty much like and then and then um and then but like in Fast and Furious it's like such a diverse and like multi ethnic yeah. cast in in America it does mostly well. But, like, it shows, like, it can sell. Like, that excuse that, like, movies that are ethnically diverse or, like, culturally diverse, like, can't make money is so untrue. Yeah. And, like, I was just... Yeah, I just didn't remember that, so I wanted to... I think also, yeah. um, maybe, like, a question for the... Oh, a question for that could be, like, in TV, we have more representation, and in movies we don't. It, does that have to correlate with, like, why it does better here versus mm-hmm. why it does, like, better elsewhere mm-hmm. like i feel like there's a lot of, and in comparison to movies there are a lot there's a lot more representation in tv and i also i don't know if people watch more tv here or outside the world i don't know if that's actually a statistic or not but i watch a lot of tv so yeah i feel like one kind of like thing we haven't talked about that much i guess this kind of relates to the like queer villains thing but also i feel like there's this kind of archetype of like a character who's usually a side character but like they have there's kind of something wrong with them like they're somehow kind of like problematic like either they're like mean to like a certain character or like mean to everyone or like whatever and it's like the reason is oh they were like closeted gay oh yeah definitely. and it kind of like conveys that that's like a problem do you know what i mean yeah um i think no, I this is kind of like not really regarding your comment but <laughs> kind of ties into the other conversation we're having but i just finished master of none which mm. by the way was and um, there's one of the characters on that show is a black queer woman. Yes, and Denise. She, yeah, Denise is amazing. And her, I don't know if it was her wife or her girlfriend, but there was one episode where her girlfriend was brown or Indian, I think. Was that an episode? Wait, I actually don't remember. I remember the Thanksgiving episode. The Thanksgiving episode. Her. Okay, then I'm thinking of another character. But there was an Indian uh, queer character on the, first, like, there was the Thanksgiving episode, which talked about yeah. how, like, being queer in an African-American community is not something they talk about. And yeah. they did a really great job of portraying that and then Dave is there's another episode where Dave is walking with an Indian woman and she's like queer and that's something I've oh, never yeah, 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 yeah. I've never ever seen that portrayed ever me and neither. it was really it was cool like to shocking to me I, I was, was like, like well how I, have I never exactly, seen this before exactly. yeah. I've never I've never ever not even well being gay or queer in India is a whole nother thing yeah that's like wow if we talk about that <laughs> I'll be talking about it for hours but like <laughs> That's just like shows that like we just need more diversity in like queer representation. Yeah. Like I also feel like generally smaller, more like I guess indie um, productions or like filmmakers or like creators put out more diverse things. Like Moonlight wasn't by like a big name act. Like it didn't have like super big name actors. It didn't have uh, like a huge like director behind it it I'd consider it fairly indie in that sense but like things that are, I feel like things that are made by people who aren't as like uh, like ingrained in the system yeah yeah it, yeah they're not they're not as like but they're in it to make a statement yeah yeah, yeah. I mean there's definitely yeah. go ahead and there's like I mean like we were talking about the whole marketing thing and how like Andrew was talking about how like it's hard, like, people say it's hard to market to, like, everyone or, like, certain people, 
And I think that might be, I mean, it might be um, a contributor to that because, I mean, indie films don't necessarily make movies to make money. They make movies because they want to create. And I think that just shows that, like, we have the potential to get there if, like, if we start concerning ourselves without, like, making money to, like, cater to, like, a ridiculous amount of mm-hmm. audience and, like, focus on creating actual characters, I think that would help with the representation. Yeah, and, like, some of the most celebrated movies of the, like, past, like, I don't know, 20 years, like, Brokeback Mountain, Moonlight, and I don't know if you've, any of you have seen Blue is the Warmest Color? Philadelphia, too. Yeah, and Philadelphia is, like, about AIDS, which is... Yeah crazy and like people like that was like during the AIDS crisis so we like needed to have that um what's the one that takes place in Texas um the whatever buyers club Dallas buyers club that one yeah that's a really good one too um so like all three of I'm not actually sure Philadelphia was it Tom Hanks right yeah so that's like pretty big budget which was like very like important and like good that they were talking about it but like Blue is the Warmest Color and Moonlight and Brokeback Mountain were all pretty like independent like only directed Brokeback Mountain which is already like pretty revolutionary because you have an like Asian immigrant directing this huge film Um, shout out to Professor Lau what's going on man but yeah Blues and Women's Color is a French like three hour epic film about a like underage French girl having her first romance with a woman and it's this like very like I don't the film itself is pretty problematic because they have there's like a 15 minute sex scene that I think was like unsimulated like and the professor their director was like kind of like forced them into it a little which is problematic in its own but it won like everything it can I'm pretty sure it won the Palme d'Or and it's like it's amazing it's one of the best movies I've ever seen and it just goes to show that like the system of like Hollywood and like profit really destroys any like like artistic integrity sort of which is an entirely different argument but i think that's a lot of what we see well yeah and i think like in that same vein about like like profit and things like that i think people are more willing in uh accepting of like movies that are made with like like an indie intent where like they're going and playing into a movie and like paying to go see it because there's passion put behind it and like when it comes to something like like moonlight where it's like it's a smaller film but like definitely had like a very clear message and something important to say like there are more people willing to watch it and i think who glean more from it because it's directed and made from that standpoint versus just to make money or profit yeah. with the, the and not to say like yeah. there's no like art or passion no. behind like mainstream cinema yeah. or hollywood movies but i don't know um it's i feel like it's downplayed so i want to ask about moonlight specifically so how many of you have seen moonlight <laughs> Do I count? Three of us, including me. Do I count? Yeah. Oh, Zach, you do not count. You fell asleep five minutes into it. <laughs> it was not no. five minutes. It was okay. halfway through. Well, one, you should all see it. <coughs> Two, I mean, my I'll personal opinion, it's, yeah. it's really good. It's very good. Yeah, okay, Angelica, you talk about it. Well, I can speak about it from a black standpoint. Yeah. I mean, just the... Just, just the, um, the, like, representation and the feel of it it felt very close and I feel like that's something that um, also helped with the like characters themselves like it felt like a very close personal film Mm -hmm. and I think that really made the stories and the characters much more personal and more deep Um, even if there wasn't so much of like a really huge plot going on it felt very um, 
very um, very nuanced and um, and real, which I think has brought something new in terms of like showing a queer black man in his life um, and just you know humanizing black people and then mm-hmm. humanizing queer black people and all of that that kind of goes with that I think especially yeah the way especially how like they portrayed his home life and how it played all the way into like the end like showing how his mom like influenced the way like he perceived his life I think was really really well done especially in the humanizing aspect of like that character just in general and like how like he like run away from home and was found and like had essentially like a second mother and father like how that like changed and opened up his world one of the biggest things for me about moonlight was i know you can't say it's a movie about a gay man and you can't say it's about a black man you have to say like it's a movie about a gay black man it's so much like not it's very well balanced in its depictions of it which whenever i see a movie about a, a queer person like i go into it with kind of a negative outlook because for me a lot of movies in like the early 2000s anywhere between like the 80s and like really now when there's movies about queer people if it's not like a rom-com or they're like the gay best friend or whatever or it's like shitty just lgbt cinema which is shitty because they don't get any money because no one wants to see movies by queer directors but it's like about their struggle which is like very very important and it's like a story that needs to be told but for me like growing up when i like realized that i was gay i was like the only like stories that I have to like model what it's like to be queer are like about pain and about being a villain. And I was like, I don't know, how do I like, I don't want to define, like no marginalized group should be defined by their struggle. Like you don't want to like, if all movies about black people were about slavery, which you could argue like most of them are, like I think that's what's huge about Moonlight is it's so much like you really see how just being like black in America affects his queerness and vice versa and like how just like complicated it is and how different and really I'm sure there's like smaller indie films but it's the first like I can't even name other movies about like queer people of color that are like um, like people would see in America there's one called Cuatro Lunas which is about like Spanish men but yeah kind of like talking about intersectionality and I want to go back to like previously when we were talking about like indie films I think like even there's also an issue of like even within films that are like in certain ways like counter hegemonic or like talking about like like topics of like race or like gender sometimes they can still be problematic in terms of like sexuality mm-hmm. like I just remember like I, I don't know if any of you have seen the movie Orlando it's like pretty good you should watch it it's like an interesting film and the character kind of like is born like a male but kind of transitions into becoming a woman like first like socially and then it's kind of like magical realism like biologically there's a transformation but like i thought it was like extremely problematic that when the character is a male they have a female love interest and then when they become a female they have a male Uh, love interest and that's just like you know what i mean like so promoting so just by like fucking with gender it's still like you at least he's still straight yeah Like, like it portrays gender in a very like interesting like fluid way and then like but sexuality in like a very like heterosexual way it's also interesting because you brought up the point how there are very few queer people of color depicted it's also i i see with queer people depicted in media it seems like a class thing as well you see very oh, um, yeah. it seems at least to me the way it's portrayed it's like it's a privilege to be queer almost oh like God, it's, totally. it's an upper 
it's an upper class problem. It's a, it, I mean, just look at like modern family, rich. Yeah. The people we mentioned, friends, super like wealthy, young, living in New York, and I would say Moonlight, uh, The Wire with Omar, right. and then Brokeback Mountain to a certain extent because the it's about like farmers. It's yeah. like about a, a different class of people, which I think is important too because. I think in certain communities that are more working class or blue collar, they consider the LGBT community uh, a rich person's problem, mm. uh, an upper class problem, yeah. and when it's and that just further marginalizes people within their own community. Yeah. And a lot of that, I mean, just has to do with they're all cisgender, like white men or women, but they're all white people, and so they're all in shows about white people, and yeah. usually white people are you know middle class, but like upper middle class, like so you don't see. I don't know, the only, like, things that you say or that you see as, like, coded as, like, being part of a queer identity are, like, drinking mimosas and, like, going to brunch and, like, yeah. wearing sweaters on yachts and doing <laughs> lunch parties. The real housewives of whatever city. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. 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 Like, there's a, there's a show on Netflix called Girlboss, and oh, yeah. one of the characters on the show, her neighbor is a... Um, played by RuPaul. Yeah, yeah, played by RuPaul. And uh, he's, a, he's a gay black man, but he's, like... He's like well off. He's oh, like yeah. telling her, "You need to get your shit together." <laughs> and like he's like living and like is lecturing her on like how she's like needs to like pay her rent and like stuff. And that shows like the upper class thing as well. Yeah. And then um, I'm gonna go take it back to Master of None just because I finished it and I love that show. Um, in the Thanksgiving episode, um, uh, Denise. Denise. Yeah, Denise's mom is like, "It's already hard enough to be African American or mm-hmm. black. Like, why do you need to add something else to it?" And that just like was so like hit like the heart for yeah me. it was so accurate and i feel like i mean i they she's not depicted as being very affluent or like ha- having a lot of money but yeah. like she's not like poor either <coughs> so i don't know like she's probably middle class and so like that kind of just makes sense for what people are talking about yeah definitely i think that was a huge thing of in moonlight is they also bring up the class issue like there's so much commentary on like the prison industrial complex and like just being afraid of cops and like he goes to school and there's all this like violence and there's like no repercussions for it and like you know the what happens afterward where spoiler alert but like he gets arrested and there's like you don't really see any like anything between the, like that and then him getting out but there's no it seems like there's really no justice and he's not really at fault um and you never see that depicted in any like queer cinema yeah um yeah so how did you all feel when moonlight won best picture or what did you guys think of that apart from the fact that there was that whole blunder that was really funny um (laughs) no i mean i thought that was definitely i mean even though i haven't seen the movie it's definitely like been all over the news and i definitely have an idea of like it's significant so I think it's really important for a movie that addresses the addresses these issues to be like to win literally the most important prize in American film you know because it puts it right there on the mainstream for everybody to see definitely I think um well a I didn't watch the Oscars and I only found out that Moonlight won because of like all the memes and stuff yeah. and, like, <laughs> uh, so that and the fact that they won in the first place. I didn't even know what Moonlight was about till I Googled it. So I was like, oh, it won an Oscar. And I think that just shows that like, because it did, people are gonna Google it totally. and they're gonna be like, what is this about? They're gonna be interested about it. And that just promotes the message and like 
people are going to watch it because they're like, okay, it won an Oscar. Obviously, it's worth watching. So I think winning an Oscar, as like we were talking about how it's like an indie film, probably made it like way like wildly successful. If it like, did it, then it probably would have just been one of those other names that was like on the Oscar list, and like I don't think it would have been as watched. Definitely. Um, I mean, and Mahershala Ali won for Best Supporting Actor, I think. And he's like the first, is he the first Muslim, Muslim man ever actor. to win, I think, like an Oscar probably for acting? Actor. Yeah. yeah. Which is like revolutionary, revolutionary in and of itself. Um, my, I am hesitant. I, I, Whatever my personal feelings about whether or not Moonlight like deserved an Oscar, it was like amazing, and I think it's so important. And I just think the like accolade in and of itself makes it, like you said, have that much more like name recognition. And so I really think like young poor black men are more likely to watch it because it like don't know what its name is, and so I think that message is going to get across into like all these different communities. My worry is like moral licensing of. You know, like when Obama was elected, everyone was like, it's a post-racial America, we got a black president, so it's done. So my, I don't know if you guys have seen this, I haven't really, but I'm very like on, I'm waiting for people to be like, I don't understand what the issue is with queer representation, we had a movie about gay black men and it won an Oscar, but it's like the first movie ever about that, that people even know. Well that was gonna be, it was what I was gonna say, was, do you almost, because when I heard it won an Oscar, my question was, is I almost wonder if it won an Oscar because of that. Like, they were like, oh, like, <coughs> this one's good enough to win, so let's push it through now. And then we... Then, well, there's a whole... Yeah. yeah, I was talking to my brother, because he's a screenwriting major at Chapman, but... The, I mean, the Oscars are so political. All awards, yep. show, all awards shows really are, but the Oscars are kind of yeah. terrible in their own way. Yeah. Wasn't, like, um, the year before, it was like, Oscars so white with a hashtag? Yeah. Like, Everything, but like, yeah. there's no way. I was talking to him, and he was like, "There's no like way if they give it to Moonlight because they genuinely think it deserves to win. You can still say they only did it because it's about queer black men. So they can, you know, there's no way to like know really. Yeah. And I, but I think it's really like healthy and constructive that we even like have that dialogue. Yeah, we're exactly. like aware of yeah. like this like white, very wealthy, yeah, heteronormative exactly. yeah. cis System. institution. It's literally like, what it, most of it is. Yeah. At least they're like talking about it yeah. Um, yeah but I mean you, you said a comment earlier about how like it will be more like, ex like the exposure to poor uh, African American or just poor minorities like who are uh, queer my thing is that like the accessibility true that's yeah. might not be that easy it's good that they're being represented and it's good that people are aware of it but like fact is I don't think those movies or TV or like anything is super accessible to really poor communities and the fact that that isn't reaching them is a whole nother thing it's just like education and like the whole community as a whole but like I think the fact that it has a broad reach to other people and like they can then teach other people how to make like how, like how to humanize or normalize it can help but I think that one thing, I, I don't know if it would necessarily be as accessible to them. So I think the problem would persist for longer. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about that. Let's talk about accessibility because I think that's a good point. Um, and I was thinking about like the way that cinema like 
or theaters specifically began, you know, in like the 20s, there was this boom of movie theaters and the 30s really is where like it began to ramp up. And the majority of people going to movie theaters were really (coughs) very poor, like during the Great Depression, because it was this form of escapism and it was new and it was like, not like a place for poor people or whatever, like it still had a reputation as sort of a bougie thing, but like, and that really has changed. And I think a lot of that is because it's become so profitable and so they, the people that run it are pandering to themselves and their friends. Um, so what do you think, what are your experiences with like accessibility to cultural objects like that? I was just gonna say, well, if the like object itself isn't necessarily accessible, maybe the dialogue is more accessible. Like there's just that, mm. like there's just that tiny little bit more like push or like space to talk about these sort of things, even if you haven't watched or been exposed to the product that produced that conversation. Yeah, I say I like when Brokeback Mountain came out. Like, I don't know, like, spending a lot of time in, like, rural Texas and stuff like that, until that movie came out, I'd never heard anyone even acknowledge it as a, like, wow, we have LGBT people in our community. And so maybe not everyone watched the film for a variety of reasons, but it it was the first time I'd ever seen people acknowledge that, like, within this community, we we have queer people. And so that's sort of... I, th- I think that's a, even if you don't watch the movie, that's part of it, and that hopefully that happens with Moonlight in different communities as well. Um, so I, I think seeing the movie is important, and I think it's, I mean, going to a theater costs like 30 bucks once you're in out. Like, it's, it's an expensive endeavor. Um, but even if you don't necessarily watch the, commu- er, the movie, knowing that films are being made about your community, representing people who aren't necessarily like you, is at least an eye-opening experience for a lot of people. Opens up a dialogue. Are you from rural Texas? No, my family is though. Okay. So. And like going along with that, like I mean, we were talking about the whole like Indian representation of like queer people. Like, uh, I mean, I've never ever that one character I've ever seen represented as queer and was Indian. And the fact is, like, I don't think that the Indian community does not talk about like mm-hmm. LGBT at all. Like, I don't think I've ever discussed with my parent. Well, with my parents, yes, but with anybody else outside, like. like memes that you didn't like know about Moonlight yeah um like you didn't know what Moonlight was about or that it was happening except for like memes on Twitter of like that's a an amazing part of like yeah. the way that cinema is interacting with like just technology nowadays of like even if you're like too poor you just don't have the time or like effort to like go to the movies or like one of the big things of like Tyler Perry has like made his fortune like 
I don't like Tyler Perry, but I really like respect what he does. He's like a master of making escapist art. Like the majority of people that go to see his movies are like middle or lower class African Americans, which is like amazing because he's like found this niche and he's giving people like what they want. Because a lot of the time, if you go to the movies, like I get that people don't want to watch Moonlight because it's like hard to watch and it's like kind of dense and like you know even if it like has the words like Academy Award winner, that's kind of like intimidating and you just like. Sometimes I don't want to deal with it. Sometimes you just want to watch The Simpsons instead of, like, The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, it's not escapist. But then you have, like, the internet. Like, Twitter is free and, like, is so easy to access and, like, things trend. And then there's this, like, barrage of info. And I think that's crazy. Especially if maybe... I'm going to bring back the Texas thing, but maybe you don't come from a community where it's okay to watch a movie like Brokeback, but you can go online and figure out all about it. You can stream it from your room. You don't have to necessarily walk out to a movie theater in front of your entire community yeah and which might be difficult given certain situations but you still feel connected without maybe putting yourself in a position where you might be in danger or just isolated yeah um and yeah i think that just shows how powerful the internet can be i know i was talking about earlier how like if you don't tell your kids how like anything about real people then they're just gonna google it and like that's (laughs) the incredible power of the internet and thank god for the internet but um and i feel like that's how a lot of um underrepresented people who are queer or just underrepresented people in general can figure out information but like that's the problem with the information in and of itself is that sometimes it's very stereotypical very hyper polarized and that's Mm. the only thing people have to go off of and you were talking about how when you were younger you had to go off of what a villain and um like some like sexy person yeah. or like that just shows that representation needs to be more nuanced and real instead of making something to make money yeah and i also want to add like i'm not against like queer villains it's just the problem is that that's the, if that's the only representation especially in like children's media which i want to talk about at some point as well um like, if you only portray queer people as villains and then as, like, punchlines or whatever, like, there are definitely a lot of queer people I know that are like that, and it's great. I love hanging around, like, really flamboyant, sassy gay men or queer women or whomever. Like, I love that. And there are definitely, like, bad, like, queer people. Like, I'm not going to get mad at straight people being villains. I am pro-villain. You have to have something to fight against. But if it's always the same stereotype teaching kids the same things, then it does become problematic. Exactly. Yeah. Person. Yeah. Like that doesn't exist. There's no like. They're not. What is it like? They're not together. They're like. They're two different. Yeah. They're not like equivalent. But yeah. But then the problem is that like. Yeah. But the problem is then that you're equating badness with the like queer stereotypes or just like effeminate men or like. Especially with little kids who have a very hard time separating. Yeah, and you like aren't gonna have those dialogues with those kids either. What's that NPH movie that he came out with? Where like he's a evil villain and likes this girl and then what's his name is like this straight uh Neil Patrick Harris is what I'm talking about where like he is he's like a doctor like an evil mad scientist oh Dr. Like, Terrible's oh, mad yeah. sing along yeah like that's like that like I feel like that movie is like along those same lines where it plays into that that stereotype <laughs> even though like it was trying to overcome it like it I did feel like it didn't really I've seen make, that movie. I don't really remember it yeah it was during the writer's strike yeah. Oh, yeah. They made a webcast. It was, yeah. Um, it was, but I, also along the same lines of like representation and ask, a, access and discussion, like 
the more like a more recent example is the whole Wonder Woman mm. thing where like they uh, the Alamo draft Alamo Draft House did their own women's only screening and like because of that being a thing there's all of a sudden this like huge male backlash for like didn't understand like why women needed to be treated special yeah. and like why they needed their own screening and like I was reading tweets about it and stuff online and like literally verbatim primary sources exactly yeah <laughs> but I mean like literally verbatim one of the women was responding to some man who was being annoyed about it and she was like well no it's just a bunch of women wanting to come together to celebrate the fact that like we're finally first we have a voice finally yeah exactly yeah and like also like because of that because there are all these men being naive and making their voice heard on some type of social media platform it's like being discussed and then other people see that discussion like me on an on an auxiliary platform and then because of that there's at least some sort of understanding that's being perceived and like things are progressing maybe it's a slow pace but at some sort of yeah forward direction definitely yeah it's like that kind of i feel like representationally and like as far as discussion goes it's at least happening it may not be as fast as we want it to be but it's getting there yeah and so okay so let's talk about representation in like different communities or countries because i i mean i've seen of like fair amount of like foreign films and like non-english language but a lot like old ones and i don't really explore like super indie like french films just because i like i'm not gonna get it but i've seen like some but so like what about like bollywood movies and keep the like um well okay basically okay let me preface this by saying i really really hate bollywood movies <laughs> um there are some good ones out there but most of them are really shitty um okay basically i think firstly bollywood films are definitely family oriented there are definitely there aren't films that are like r-rated like that isn't a thing that you go to the movies with your family that's a that's an indian thing Mm. um secondly most indian films if not all indian films actually i'm gonna say most because i'm gonna be wrong if i say all um are usually a a girl and a guy and it's about how they fall in love Mm. it's always romantic there's pretty much no other plot there's always a bad guy and the bad okay the bad guys in indian movies are hyper masculine like extremely masculine like they like have like giant guns and motorcycles and there's fire and it's crazy (laughs) and um that's that's one thing that differs and cartoon movies exist but they're not like the ones here it's like usually indian kids will watch disney movies from here but like like it'll be overwritten in hindi or whatever language um and yeah we don't really have like cartoon network or anything but um basically it's just not talked about at all and like there are definitely people in india who are there's a movement in india but i think a the fact that narendra modi is our prime minister who he's like a very conservative um anti-muslim anti-gay anti a lot of things um which just shows you that it's just not talked about because Hin- like Hinduism is a very conservative um, religion and like like obviously we have arranged marriages which is very much man woman together like you your family is a whole marriage is a family ordeal it isn't yeah. like between two people and so I think because of that innate culture of having uh, everything be so family centric, so patri paternal centric. Yeah, it's a patriarchy. Um, yeah, patriarchal. That's the word I wanted to use. Um, I think 
it's just not represented. And I don't know if it's, there's small movements. There's small movements, definitely small movements. There's a lot of movement towards like anti-rape and like men for women against, men against rape in general. That's really strong in India. And then there's also like a lot of uh, transgender awareness in India. That's a thing, mm-hmm. but like, being gay is not something that's talked about. It's interesting. Is there more of a discussion about like trans issues than there are about like, I think, queer sexuality? I think, I think there's more. Uh, like, Don't Hindus have like a third gender? Is that? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard some of their like Hindu gods are like gender fluid. Oh well, okay. That's, I don't know that's that okay. That's like no. Because it's like not like they're like. Basically, uh, there are Hindu gods that have different forms. Okay. Like, we have a god, Vishnu, who has, like, oh, can I answer? Um, <laughs> um, they have, like, multiple forms. Like, he's, like, a turtle in one form and a hare in the other. Like, it's, like, very, there's, gender is very. Doesn't that explain, like, the characteristics they exhibit to, like, their form does? No, he's no, actually, it's a, like... he's actually a turtle. <laughs> yes. Cool. He's very interesting, very cool. Read up on Indian mythology. It's amazing. Um, but, like, the thing, like, with third gender, it's, like, basically the god can transform into the other gender. There's no, like, between genders. There's not intergender, like, stuff like that. There's, it's, like, oh, like, it's Vishnu, but he's in a female form because he's trying to trick his wife or something. Like, yeah, that sounds really bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's, like, just a very, like, that, I don't even know if that actually happened. Um, so, yeah, like, that doesn't really exist. But, um. I think there's a lot more trans activism in India because their voices are louder. Like because mm-hmm. even if you even if you're trans, like you can still be straight, right? Like you for your gender, yeah, yeah. right? So like it's like oh I'm a girl, but once I become or like once I become a girl, I'm I like guys. Yeah. So like it's okay. So in that sense, air quotes. Do you think that's like related to the sort of like India? A lot of Indian culture is based around like the family unit of like trans people are seen. At least they're like a lot of the time they're conforming to the like. Yeah, it's like binary. it's like regardless of whether or not your gender is different, you're still going to have a family, and like mm. that's gonna like some I don't know. It's like really weird, but it's really like, interesting. Yeah, I think there's a lot of emphasis on family, which I mean makes sense. Are there any like? Are there queer character or trans characters ever in Bollywood movies? Oh, no. Or do they just, okay. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I've never ever seen one in a movie. I know there's like okay, there's like they'll like poke fun at it and like have like a guy dress up as a girl well, and good. be funny. Yeah. Like which is yeah. Which is wow. But um like and there are like movies where I feel like like it's like like okay, there's a movie about a woman who I think an Indian Olympic boxer she the thing is is that because like after she's like i feel like she actually won a gold or something she won something but like it was like a it was a biography about her a biopic or whatever and then um the thing is is though like she like faced adversity and like cut her hair and was Mm. like because she was doing boxing which is seen as more manly she like like looked like very like had like androgynous hair and like i just feel like it really didn't make sense like i felt like they tried to make it something like oh she looks like a man so it's okay for her to act like a man Mm -hmm. like it was like that and like there's yeah there's definitely like drag representation in any movies because you have men that dress up as females and they like are very very flamboyant but 
No, I don't can't. That's okay, so what about the rest of you? I don't know what other like communities of cinema or whatever you've engaged with, but I mean, like growing up, I would watch um, Filipino TV shows with my grandma, and as far as representation, as queer representation goes, it was definitely like non-existent given how like strong the Roman Catholic roots are in the Philippines. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I think all that is just being, like, it's just magnified even more given the current presidential situation yeah. in the Philippines, because he's incredible. He's, he's not great. No, he's <laughs> horrible. So, I mean, I, like, growing up, I just don't, I don't remember seeing any queer characters on... Did you see any, like, queer-coded characters, or... Not, no, not really. It's, like, it's really, it was really just cut and dry, you know? It was, like, it's pretty... Str- it was just really heteronormative and binary. Unsurprising, really. Yeah. Did you, like, watch, Andrew, did you watch any different, like, I wasn't allowed to watch a lot of shows growing up because of my, like, parents' religion, and, like, not even, like, bad, just, like, Spongebob. Like, my parents are also kind of elitist, no. and they were, like, they were, like, Spongebob will make you dumb. <laughs> so I watched, like, Veggie Tales and, like, little oh, British oh, cartoons. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I think it depended on... Because, like I said, I, I have the connections to the Texas side, but my parents are very, very liberal, yeah. so they weren't... Um, so I really don't feel like... I didn't have a lot of like limitations in terms of what I could watch. I just don't remember there being any queer characters on youth TV, but that's that might have just been... Yeah, I mean, like, I can't remember any really either. I don't think there were... Like... Yeah. There was always like a tomboy, yeah. and then maybe that's coded for being like... I don't know, but that, that's about it. That's yeah. Um, yeah, I just like have some stuff to add for the, like in, like queer representation in India. Um, one, like gayness is definitely a joke. Like people like make oh, yeah. it a joke because okay, there's this there's a really like pop like a really famous guy. He like directed stuff and like he like get, has a talk show. Host, he's like a talk show host and stuff. His name is Karan Johar, and he's gay and like they like make jokes about it and it's like it's like laughed off and like there's this really popular movie if you want to cry for 40 minutes straight you should watch it it's called Kohona Ho and um in there's a part in it basically one of the characters has like uh, a maid um yeah basically that's really common in India if you grew up in that but uh she like basically like makes his food and like takes care of him mm-hmm. and like he has his friend and his friend comes over and like it's just like very like gay like he like they would sleep next to each other mm-hmm. and their like shirts are off and like it's just like there's like a there's a gay nuance in it and it is it's like supposed to be funny it is really funny because they're like no no and she's like oh my god and she's like freaking out and then his dad like comes in and is like if you're gay you know you it's fine like something like that and like well, that's good yeah that I mean, was that's cool. positive he's like no it was like not even that it's just like it was like it's not like he said it was fine it was just like Oh, like so, like are you like into women? Like he takes him, he takes him, he takes his son to a strip club, <laughs> and like it's like, wow, look at these beautiful women, like um. ah, and then like he's like, like look at these women, cause like your your the maid lady was telling us about this thing, and the son's like, no, 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 no. He's like very adamant, and it's really like strong. It's like almost seen as a negative thing. So, a yeah, it's a the butt of jokes a lot, and b it's seen as a negative. And that movie is from like two thousand and four. Yeah, that's amazing. Did you like Bar? Did you watch any like Israeli TV shows or movies growing up? Were you like plugged into that culture? 
Um, I watched not really because I moved out of Israel when I was three, so I watched yeah. like baby shows, <laughs> which I couldn't really like interpret for you too much. But I've I've seen like a decent, not enough to really comment. Um, yeah. My guess though is that it would be kind of similar to here, but I don't know. In Israel, there's like a strong presence of like really religious Jews, but they don't even, like, watch TV. Like, the most extreme ones don't even watch TV. Like Orthodox. Yeah, like yeah. Orthodox Jews, but, um, yeah. I can't really say. Sorry. Angelica, do you have any, like, different experiences? <laughs> do you find that your, like, experience with cinema is, like, different than a lot of just, like, our campuses, mainly, like, white and Chinese? Like, did you grow up watching different TV shows or movies um, than a lot of people? Not necessarily. I mean, there's like Disney Channel, Nickelodeon, Cartoon Network. Um, Yeah, not so much like different TV. Just like, I probably took it in a different way, just internally, but it's not so much the pattern in mind. Okay. I wanted to talk about positive depictions and then we'll wrap it up. Um, Well, like a few questions. so, well, you mentioned Cartoon Network, and I wanted to talk about, like, you know, we're sort of, people say we're living in the golden age of TV, and, like, there's this huge, like, renaissance of TV right now that sort of is, like, animation, for some reason, is becoming this, like, huge bastion of, like, not only quality, but progressiveness, and I know, Angelica, you're really interested in that, right? Um, so, just, like, do you guys watch, or have you seen, like, Adventure Time, or Gravity Falls, or Steven Universe, like... I've heard of them. I haven't seen yeah. them. I've seen a little bit of Adventure Time. Yeah. I've seen a little so, bit of Adventure Time and I've seen Gravity Falls. Angelica. <laughs> well, so Steven Universe definitely has a lot of like queer coded characters, and um, many of them are queer coded characters of color. So it's really like popular in that sense and really progressive in that way. And or not even like queer coded. A lot of them, you know, they're yeah, like explicitly they're like in relationships. It's great. Yeah. Um, but like, um, and like I know that's fairly popular like online and in the fan base it's like a big thing and like a lot of emphasis on the fact that it's really important um, just like in general like kind of going off of that because like a lot of I feel like a lot of the creator like the people who work on things like Steven Universe are kind of really connected to this indie sort of comics um, like community where like I know a lot of like web comics and like indie comic creators put a lot of like diversity in their work Um, and like again it's that sort of like those that create to create um, have more like more deep content and like more like inclusive content and they're just like not afraid to be brave because they're not like worried so much about like money or like making it big or whatever yeah I think that's huge I think it's I'm very interested to see this is probably a naive thing to say because there's always going to be like there's a lot of kids that are raised by really like homophobic people but I also think the way that like television is right now is so like different even with all of its problems there's so much like queer representation and shows on like Cartoon Network like Steven Universe are talking about like polyamory and like being in a triad and like being like sexually fluid and stuff like I think that's amazing like his family is like him and like three women basically like but his dad is in the mix right yeah yeah um yeah like even his 
father is like kind of like he's there but he's not the primary yeah like, like caretaker, caretaker or whatever yeah. yeah so i think that's really interesting maybe kids will be different or just like grow up with a like i think it's so amazing that they're like superheroes basically like these like women and this kid that are like you know some they don't have like, discussions about like sex really but they talk about like love and just like being in relationships and stuff and i think that's such a positive portrayal like i think it's amazing um yeah i wish i had something like steven universe and i think it's really indicative of the like very like traumatizing effect of not having representation of the fact that so many like 20 somethings and like 30 year olds like queer people and like people of color will like walk around wearing steven universe shirts and are like obsessed with it and it's like very genuine as it's like we didn't get to have like those like cartoons as kids and so we finally have something that like we can relate to um i think it's huge really um so um do you how do you think that like media representations of queer people have like affected the way you think about and interact with queer people both negative and positive i'll just start because like i want everyone to like be open or whatever i like definitely i mean you know being queer in and of itself will like create all these problems but they definitely have been like magnified like my own issues with like what is masculinity and how do you define that and sometimes i'm really uncomfortable around like flamboyant gay men and like when i dig down to that i'm like why is that and a lot of it is because it's basically like you can't like be closeted around queer men like that like they like force that conversation and not that i'm like closeted at all but like when i'm walking around you know like i'm like pretty obviously gay but like I, there's still that sort of like animosity but if you're with someone who's like very like like just like raging about it in like a good way there's no way to like hide it or you can't like sort of keep it quiet yeah, and then there's no problem in not telling people what yeah totally is. like i don't feel like people have to tell you they have to i can't imagine like i don't need to go up to everyone like i'm straight like yeah. that's like <laughs> not something people do and you shouldn't have to do that yeah i feel like i definitely like internalized a little bit of like the idea of like what like a gay man looks like mm -hmm. what a gay woman looks like totally. um or just like a queer person in general, like, um, yeah, just like the stereotypes, you kind of, and it's like, oh, sometimes like you find out like someone like that you know is like gay and like you're like surprised, yeah. but it's like anyone can be gay and like, yeah. there's no like personality trait requirements or like. It kind of makes me wonder like, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Like, I know a lot of queer people that like adopt, well, like, especially a lot of my friends are queer women and they'll like, cut their hair certain ways because that's what they like see as like queer women on tv and like in an empowering way like they'll do it to be like like this is my queer identity but i wonder like are those representations why did they start did they start because that's what like queer women were cutting their hair and wearing or um and i think show like orange is the new black i think deals with that in a really good way um boo her character who's the actress that plays boo oh she was i saw her recently. when she was here yeah um, um <clears throat> leah Someone, yeah, but there's an episode sort of about her like coming out process, or she's like at a like club with a very like femme girl, Carrie Black. and they're wait what? Carrie Black. Carrie oh, Black. Not yeah, it's not. That's so weird. Cut that out. She like, <laughs> no, that's staying in. Um, and she goes to this bar, and there's this whole like 
scene where she's they're like oh she's very butch and like she's walking this like femme girl home like they're gonna go hook up and then they like get into a fight about something oh because the like femme girl turns to her and is like oh normally i'm not into like really butch girls and she's like what like what the fuck like why what are you saying and she's just like oh i just don't like i'm not into that and it becomes this whole thing and the like very like like straight passing girl calls her like a dyke and like walks away and boo is like yelling at her and is like you self-hating piece of shit and that to me like that like struck me and i'm not a queer woman i'm a queer man but it like struck me so hard because i was like that is so much there's a huge problem in my experience in the gay male community of like femme shaming and like bottom shaming there's just all these issues with if you're not like masculine and like if someone like, if I tell someone I'm gay and they're like, oh, I had no idea, my reaction is to still feel, like, really prideful. And I'm like, well, thanks. And I, like, try not to do that because I think it's really toxic because that, like, deep down is just because I'm, like, it's, like, you hate, like, gayness. Um, um, <laughs> so representations of how have representations affected you guys? Well, well, it definitely affected me because, like, you know, when I came out to my dad, he was, like, definitely taken aback by it for a bit because he, he was like, wait, but we watch football every Sunday and your room's a mess. I'm like, what the hell does that mean, you know? I'm like, what? Like, it, it doesn't really, that doesn't define someone's sexuality, you know? Someone's interest, does, it shouldn't reduce it to the, your sexuality, you know? It's like your sexuality is who you're attracted to and, like, not whatever representations say they are. Say the biggest thing is growing up playing sports. I it just I never it never crossed my mind until I like later like oh that like my teammates could be gay because in media and just the way it's talked about was just like you know gay people they're in the theater program yeah. or they're you know they're artsy they don't play sports <laughs> and no I'm just. So it never crossed, I never even, like, considered the fact that I, I've definitely played sports with gay people, I've played against people, it's just, like, a fact, but the way we're conditioned is to think that, you know, especially, particularly, and then it's, I feel like it's the opposite with, uh, like, queer women, where they're, they're conditioned mm. to think that, you know, the WNBA is, like, everyone, there are stereotypes about that, yeah. so... But at least for me, it wasn't until much later that I came to the realization that, like, yeah, like, there are definitely queer men who play sports. And it wasn't until some major athletes started coming out. And there was, uh, I think, I remember in Glee, there was a character. Uh, yeah. He was the antagonist. Yeah, he who's, was like a football player. Yeah, and he was like a, a self-hating. Yeah. Um, and I remember that episode was really, because, you know, going to an all-guys school, I didn't play football, but I, I played other sports and it was just like wow the having to navigate that I, I hadn't realized it wasn't until I started seeing that representation was the first time that I actually thought about like the fact that there are there are queer people in sports and that's a probably a pretty tough place to be oh yeah I mean I played soccer for 10 years and I stopped before I like knew that I was gay but like you know I was still gay and like there you know people would like ask me a lot and I stopped playing when I was like 14, so it kind of was before a lot of it, like, like shit really went down, yeah. but it was still like definitely hard, and there's, it's yeah. so like competitive, and like, you know, sports, it's a really like, you have to be very like sure in your masculinity, or at least fake it, like, yeah. it's a pretty like, 
toxic environmentalism and stuff. High well, school just ex- exaggerates yeah, that too as well. Going into high school. Yeah. And Andrew, I grew up actually like completely on the opposite end of that side. Is that growing up, I was always told that everyone being a gymnast, I was told that everyone who was in gymnastics was gay. And so like, it was yeah. <laughs> yeah, this discussion already. Um, and so like, I guess like my understanding of it all was that. Uh, from like from like a understanding like sexuality and things like that, I think I always like understood that there were the gay community was everywhere. But I think like in that from that aspect too, it was like I almost like alienated myself from that and haven't really opened up to it until like probably the beginning of high school because I wasn't confident in myself enough to be confident that like that it was okay if like people thought that because it didn't matter, it didn't affect me. And that people are the way people are, and people need to get over it. Yeah. And so that, like, it became, it essentially became to the point that, like, it's people being uncomfortable with themselves until they feel the need to attack things that they're uncomfortable with. Mm-hmm. And so I think that I was a big thing. I don't know why that stereotype exists, but apparently it's so pervasive because I've run into that with so many of your teammates. Where they're like, <laughs> yeah. They'll be like, oh my god, it sucks being a gymnast because everyone thinks you're gay. And I'm like, yeah. what a horrible thing for people to think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but oh yeah, but like, when people confuse yeah. your sexuality, crazy. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But yeah, it's like, it's super pervasive. And like, like, especially like in elementary school even, like I would get made fun of for it. And like, I used to be really self-conscious. I know, it's really weird. Is it and just because you wear singlets? I, I, honestly, I, I think honestly that's part of the, and because like it's so closely related to like women's gymnastics and like we almost wear exactly yeah. the same thing and because women's gymnastics is more well known as a current I mean, men's gymnastics. People say gymnast, they think yeah, yeah. or think women immediately, and so I think that's what it's also with dancers. Like dance, when you think dancing, you yeah. think women almost immediately. It's ingrained within you, and so the stereotype exists with dancing that it's a women's sport and you must be gay if you're a dancer. And so I think like within that's the same thing, and I always that always made me really um, self conscious, and like I still to this day struggle with a lot of like my own like body images and things like that because I've been made fun of for so long for being a gymnast, for not just from the standpoint of being gay, but just from like the things that come along yeah. with it, and like the like having to be more positive and assured of myself like because of that, it's like definitely influenced how I've grown up. So, have you guys had any experiences of like queer, like positive representations in media, like change, like affecting like your view or like your parents' view? Like, did you have any Nico? Did you have any like? Do you show your dad like watch this show or like <laughs> this NFL player? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. There are no. There's like one out NFL player. Yeah, yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't actually know. I don't. Know. I don't like, 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 he went undrafted. Yeah, he went undrafted, and then he went to the AFL. Or yeah, something. He got. He retired. Like he was essentially like forced out of the league. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Not, it was. He's not a good example. Like not 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 a good example. But um, <laughs> no, I mean, good example would be um, I really like Captain Raymond Holt from Brooklyn Nine because yeah. like I, like that's just someone that I would identify with more. Like that whole like masculine image that gay people can be that. Too and not just you know someone yeah. that's just you know that feminine flamboyant. And it's important type. to have both. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's important to like show that you know gay people are just like any other people too. You know you there's it's spectrum. You know. Yeah. Um, I remember distinctly in the seventh grade I wrote an essay about why gay marriage should be legal. Yeah. Hey, wow. Yeah, and so I showed my dad because I was like, hey, you want to see this? Like it's a, it's a really good essay. And at the time, my dad was. 
say like if we're talking about characters that yeah. really like um i'd say the, the brokeback mountain both both of those guys and omar from the wire yeah and it was weird just um for not as much for me but mostly for my family just to see examples of queer people who are not rich white yeah. city people and so and it it just it um and, which is weird because Omar from The Wire has nothing to do with people in rural Texas. Yeah. But just the fact that he is not... not like a city... A, a city, like, upper... Yachting. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, it was, which I thought it was really strange that they would connect more with an inner-city gangster, an African-American inner-city gangster, yeah. than they would with, you know, Mitch and Cam from Modern Family. Yeah. But for whatever reason, just seeing people from different socioeconomic groups Definitely. get represented. And then for me personally, uh, that character on Glee just kind of kind of a wake up moment just like oh yeah yeah 
Who's the character on that one British show you and I watched together that both of us Crashing? Love, but yeah. Oh, what is his name? It's not Connor. No. Is it Tyler Kenny, something like that? Crap. Okay, yeah. <laughs> well, there's a character on a... There's a British show by this amazing up-and-coming feminist called Phoebe Waller-Bridge who's going to be in the Han Solo spin-off, actually. Um, and she has a six-episode like, like sitcom, kind of, yeah. based on one of her plays. Um, called Crashing, and one of these characters sort of, like, goes through, like, sort of, like, a, not even a coming out, just sort of a, like, self-realization process, and it actually is such a good, it's because so it's, like, it's not, like, like, what his character is no. about, there's, like, so much else that goes into it, and it's not what the show's about, and uh-huh. it doesn't define him, but there's this whole, like, he's very, like, sexual, he's very, like, mm. debonair, and, like, cute and charming, yeah. and he, like, makes a joke about, like... I don't know, he, like, hits on a dude, he's like, oh, you'll have to be my girl for the night, and the guy's like, okay, and then later he, like, says something really homophobic to him, because he, like, gets insecure, because he tries to hook up with a girl, and she rejects him, yeah. and then by the end, he's, like, dating that guy. Yeah. Um, and, like, I think, like, impo- like in parts, empowerment goes, and, like, all that, like, I think that's a really important, like, uh, catharsis. Yeah. And, like, especially in media, and, like, for me, too, it was, like, really cool to watch, because, like, I feel like that side of it ne- almost never gets shown in media, like, that, like, it's almost like excitement that you get for him. The fact that oh, he's totally. like, literally, he's, like, I, going I through that. Yeah. I like the first scene yeah. there was like any like mention of him like thinking yeah. about it because I was like, this is so like cathartic yeah, exactly. to like, see someone go through that process, and it's so like and well it's like written positive. Also. And like most of the time in like media, like that kind of like coming out is so like portrayed as such a negative thing. Yeah. That, like, I well, it like, doesn't even, it, like, goes through, like, sort of the first step of coming out, which is just coming out to yourself. Yeah. Of, like, even by the yeah. end of the show when he's dating the dude, they don't, like, mention it to their, like, little group of friends that yeah. the show is about. They're sort of, like, he's sort of, like, like still closeted, key, but it's just, yeah. like, you feel so happy for him that yeah. he's, like, accepted himself. Yeah, and, like, that's, um, like, that's, like, I think, like, the biggest step, especially for people who are coming out of the closet, like, and, like, that, like... I feel like it gets so underrepresented, and I was yeah. like that part I thought was so awesome to like get yeah. to watch. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know I definitely like part of my like realization. Oh, this is so bad because this show is so terrible. But I watched Teen Wolf for the first like <laughs> three years of high school, um, and I should have like n- that should have been a sign. Um, <laughs> um, it's okay. Ron. It was created, and it's the showrunner is a. Like, white gay man yeah. which it you know it's problematic in its own ways but it like definitely got more explicit about representing queer people there's like a black gay character who's on the lacrosse team and it's great and he like has interactions with another like lacrosse player who like seems like this like douchey frat boy and then he's gay and they like hook up and it's so cute um i don't remember their names <laughs> there's so many of them what? There's no- um yeah there is what? yeah Mason. Oh my god, I love that. Yeah. Um, and like, there's a there's a lesbian couple. I mean, one of them gets murdered, which is also a huge trope. Yeah. Is gay people either killed or are killers? Those are the two things that Mason happen. Mason actually to them. ends up. Oh god, spoilers. Yeah. There's Mason ends up being a killer. Oh, damn it. Oh fuck. Okay. Well, <laughs> gay people are just murderers. Yeah. Because um, we but, slam. But okay. Um, <laughs> there's another gay character named Danny. You remember Danny? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, he was Danny's a good guy. Great. Yeah, he, he can do things. He was yeah. smart. 
yeah. 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 he was like there to be a gay character kind of yeah which was bothersome but like styles to be honest i self-identify so much with styles because he's like a gangly kind of awkward like dweeby white dude who's obsessed with tyler hecklin um which obviously yeah and like the whole i don't think they ever said it i don't watch the show anymore but like they definitely there's a lot of like indicators of him like being into dudes and at one point he's talking to the bisexual girl character and she's like do you want to make out and he's like i thought you were into girls and she's like i am and he's like well why would you want to make out with me i thought you weren't into dudes and she's like no i'm into dudes too and she's like are you into dudes and he like doesn't answer and it like cuts away and he just like looks confused and like doesn't know how to answer and that was like huge honestly for me i was like it's so it's like kind of okay to be uncomfortable and like the like frankness of that like short exchange that they're having in like a warehouse rave or whatever. The rest of it was not relatable because it's about also, werewolves. Yeah. But yeah. I also, <laughs> I also think the fandom does a lot to push for that because like everyone ships style. Literally the whole uh, ugh, I have a problem. The show definitely is based Derek, on gay yeah. dating. Yeah. Like it's oh my God. so much. Yes. They make it's so much so money because their whole that. fan base oh is God. gay kids that just want to see them date. I'm, I'm like, so oh, invested. You would watch this and be like, I know it sounds dumb, but it's actually really good. Like, she really I know. Okay, it does sound dumb, but it's not that bad of a TV show for someone in high really school. Yeah, it's an MTV show yeah. about werewolves it's in high school. It's exactly what it sounds like. It's a guilty pleasure. Everyone on it is hot. Everyone is hot. It's like True Blood with less sex and more like teen angst. Yeah. Oh my God, the angst. Wow. And that Tyler Perry. Um, yeah, um, so that definitely helped me. Okay, so good, positive. So, just like, let's just end on a positive note and talk about generally positive depictions. I wanted to bring up Dear White People. Has anyone watched it? Oh, yeah, I watched that. I watched the first couple. I watched the whole thing. What? Watch the rest, Angelica. Why do you like it? Um, well, one, I could obviously tell throughout the whole setting, the, the first couple, like, minutes of the first episode, I was like, this was filmed at UCLA, and I don't, yeah. I don't have anything against UCLA, but, like... It, like, takes you out of it? No. No. I don't know. I was just like, okay. Yeah, I don't want to support I just UCLA. Yeah, gross. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that pretty good. I, yeah, I mean, whatever my, like, thoughts on the show are... Did you get to like any part of them talking about Lionel's I, I, sexuality? I, yeah. 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 I mean, that was like in the second, third episode. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that I think is good, but like, I haven't personally like gotten really invested in the show. Yeah. I just, I think the show is like pretty good. I don't think it's amazing, <coughs> but like Lionel, he's a black queer character who's like in the closet and like doesn't even really know like at one point he literally googles like does fantasizing about my straight roommate make me gay like um and which i think is something a lot of people can relate to or at least i don't know because i don't relate to like that specifically but that's like a narrative that's portrayed a lot of like i don't know that specific like issue um but he definitely like that he deals with finding his place as a queer person because he goes to like a theater party where this like sort of like self-hating gay guy like oh yeah pretends he like has a fake girlfriend and they try to get him to like have a three-way with them and it's like a fake it's like they're like trying to trick him into like having like a a gay encounter with him it's a way for the like closeted guy guy to like hook up with lionel um and then yeah and lionel like rejects it and walks out and is like that was weird why did that guy hate his own gayness so much and it like helps him accept himself and he also like deals with like flamboyancy and like wanting to like talk about queerness is something different for him and he huh. 
like struggles to like say the words to himself and to other people. It's um, a really good way to write something like that. Yeah, I think it's. Yeah, I think it's a really good portrayal. What other like really positive depictions have you seen in movie or TV or? Uh, I would say like, Orange Is the New Black has like decent representations oh, yeah. because there's like a like a lot of different queer women and like a lot of different personalities and totally. stuff, and it's like all of these types of women can be queer, yeah. which I think is like a positive thing. Um, in Sense8, there are two. Okay. No, well, there are technically four. There's so there's many. Four. Oh my God. It's amazing. I love. It's amazing. Um, uh, but yeah. in particular, I think Lito, who's the yeah, who's the yeah. Did, did you yes. start watching yeah. it finally? Did you watch it? Um, I've seen season one, and I didn't uh, like. I've been trying. To I watched watch it for it. him. Yeah. yeah, and for the one. I've been trying to make him watch season um, two. Nomi. 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 Yeah. 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 Um, She's awesome. I love Nomi. Nomi's like, amazing. No, I love the interaction love between Nomi and Lito because she definitely like understands. Oh my god! Like her character, the way it's written is so powerful. Yeah. Everything. Okay, have you seen season two yet? No. Don't okay. ruin it. Can, can I say? No, 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 no spoilers. No, no, no. About Damn it! Okay, no. well, then you have to watch it. Generally, there's a very empowering part of the second season where Leto like outwardly ex- like expresses like his gayness and like talks about like why it, like how it doesn't define him as a person, but like at the same time it does, mm-hmm. and like how people need to not like box him like because of it. Mm-hmm. And like things like that, like I always, I think are just so like exactly like, empowering and like yeah. important to talk about, mm-hmm. and, like how like he's not, he shouldn't be stereotyped because of his sexuality. Yeah. And I think also um, there's this really really powerful scene in season one where Nomi is talking to Leto. It's not gonna be season two. I'm gonna watch the show. It's not gonna be season two. But um, basically they're having this interaction. Leto's having a really hard time accepting or coming out because yeah. he like has like he starts like quote unquote dating this like yeah well he's like a famous Mexican and so he has a beard yeah and, and like yeah and so like basically a beard being a woman yeah, he's yeah, dating yeah, yeah. Yeah. he also has a physical beard yeah he also <laughs> has a beard they're yeah. literally talking about his no. yeah. um so basically it's like Nomi tells her story about a transitioning mm. and like how like she was bullied and like how she has like third degree burns yeah. because people are horrible children yeah. can be horrible um <laughs> And so that whole story and how it makes him realize that, like, even though he has this, like, inner, like, I don't, like, kind of, like, hatred towards himself, like, there are people out there who can triumph, and it kind of inspires him to, like, be more, like, confident in who he is. And I actually have kind of a problem with Sensei in the sense that, like, um, (laughs) that, like, there's this one scene where, like, Lito and his boyfriend and, like, the girl... I know exactly what she's talking about. They, like, make it very, like... It's just, like... What? It's, like, the portrait. They basically are, like, having sex and then the girl, like, is, like... Oh, yeah, she's, like, let me watch. Yeah, she's, like, kind of, like, almost, like... She's, like, tokenizing. Yeah, she tokenizes. She does. And it's, like, really, like, A, I think it shows that... I mean, obviously it's a bad thing and I think it's portrayed in... It's a, it's a good way that they portray it, but at the same time, it's like, it's like really glamorous. controversial. Yeah, it's yeah, like almost it's like glamorizing it. She like exchanges like being a beard for like getting to like watch them have sex, basically. No, doesn't she? In like the first I season, she becomes like almost a, like, like she like she's their she friend, but she also becomes a third like, aspect of the relationship. Yeah, really. yeah totally. especially into the second season, like that's what she yeah. like the position Which, she like, takes. It, depending on, and I haven't seen the second season, so I don't really know what I'm talking about. But if it goes into them being like. 
polyamorous or like being in a triad or something, I think that will be it's, huge. Yeah. And like talking about like fluidity, like maybe they yeah. both thought they were only into dudes, but then once but, you develop yeah, like intimacy. Like, there's like, she also like takes a very interesting standpoint too, where it's almost like, like, you know, like there's like that, that, uh, uh, I don't know what we're thinking of this, but like, where like girls want to have that gay best friend. Mm, yeah. Kind of thing, like she almost uh, is like that. Gay yeah. men are not a commodity. <laughs> yeah, like to yeah, she almost commoditizes them. Yeah. Yeah. Not your oh fucking Chanel hand. But like, okay. I think, <laughs> but like, but then throughout, like, even though like it presents that way, like in the initially, like yeah. initially, it grows, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then like, as it keeps going, and especially towards the end, it more it becomes they become a family unit instead, and yeah. it like moves past that to the century where the point where like she understands like how they are and she accepts that and then wants to become more part of their family versus being like a like tokenizing friend yeah. or like they're where she's commoditizing I think, them. I think I mean Lito is obviously a very important aspect of that show, but I think what's like Nomi's character mm-hmm. in that show, she's it just amazing. like if I were someone who had never ever like been exposed to anything queer and saw that saw any scene that Nomi's in and yeah. like the stuff that like that character has gone through, I would it's just so powerful. Yeah. It's well, so I think one of the best good. things that they do in that show, normally this would kind of bug me, but the fact for the first season, she's kind of like the major victim. Like she's like imprisoned and like she's like, all, she's like, like every scene first... she's like at risk for, yeah. of like being yeah. murdered. Yeah. And then like the fact that like you sympathize with her like more than anyone else like faster, like, like so quickly. Really important. And so you yeah. like are more open to like listening to her story and like listening yeah. to her side and like Which her like really relationship important. with her girlfriend oh, is so, so like beautiful <gasps> and yeah. amazing and loving. Like and even I think like that, that that character dynamic is one of like the most important not only in the show but like socially because of all the different adversities it faces. Like it breaks down uh, like racial stereotypes, it breaks down gender and yeah, sex stereotypes. Right. It breaks down like like the fact that she is a girl who became who was a guy who became a girl, um, and also is like fluent and like in all these like coding languages and is like super like hyper intelligent essentially and like trans women in STEM yeah and they're yeah. she's in an interracial relationship and interracial yeah. relationships and, like, her her partner is also extremely it's supportive yeah, also same. very very smart too she's yeah very, they're very like, like very street people. smart she's definitely really street smart which is really cool yeah. and then on top of that her partner's mom is super supportive super yeah. supportive and, like, just like encouraging people to be supportive of and, that really is just and her mom is in like a, a, a polygamic relationship her mom is in a relationship with three men thank you for ruining that I realized halfway through I was saying that but yeah good job so yeah um, <laughs> Okay, so long rant about Sensei. Any like positive depictions, movies, TVs? What's like one that like stands out to you? You can launch it while you do stuff. I don't have anything specific. Um, I, I mean, in general, I know like several books and like. I can launch it. I feel like again, a lot of the things that I pull like inspiration from, or like I find the most representation in, is like stuff that's like not mainstream so like indie comics creators and like books that aren't like the big like John Green and like J.K. Rowling type books but like I feel like those like those well it's a sci-fi book so I guess that kind of is different um where like gender like the only gender pronoun in it is she throughout the entire thing so there's not very uh, very much description of the characters themselves um, 
but like, but like the only pronoun is she, and then you can assume things about the way that people look, and then like depending on the certain society that the or language that's being like that the characters are in, they might have to refer to the themselves or the characters in like that language where things aren't where not the pronouns are like she, he, they, or whatever. But like it, it's very queer throughout, mm-hmm. like That's just good. in terms of like yeah. stuff, and it's sci-fi, and and just and it doesn't really focus on queerness. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also the fact that we're talking a little bit about books. I know like this is more like TV centric, but like I feel like books need to, like literature needs to be more progressive. Um, because, like, I mean, I feel like every teenage dystopia novel that I am trash and read um, doesn't really have that. It doesn't have that, like, strong, like, a nuanced or, like, even, like, the only one I can think of right now, it, it's not dystopian, it's Eleanor Park. But, like, even that, like, that's only one. I can only think of one book. And that's Percy just, Jackson, I remember. Yeah, I, so. yeah Percy Actually, Jackson has one. Having read a lot of books, I feel like most of my introduction now that I think about it to queer characters have been through books like um yeah Percy Jackson um I was trash and read Cassandra Clare's books <laughs> uh, I don't like her but um she had oh my god queer, wait whoa I didn't even she wait, had like mind. she wow. had queer characters and now there's a tv show yeah, with okay. those characters like um Alec Lightwood and Magnus Bain Magnus Bain is a bisexual um uh warlock he's Asian and flamboyant but like also really grounded and smart and like Alec is closeted white boy who like also but also has like really authoritative yeah. like figures and positions and so like like those um those characters I feel like have really introduced me to or like not introduced me but like kind of like I've, I feel like a lot of my books tend to have queer people or yeah. at least that's where I felt like I was most like exposed to queer characters. I think books are like I think literature has an easier time of like being inclusive and diverse. One literally because you're you're not like visually representing, so I think people are less likely to reject it because they like don't have to see it. Mm-hmm. But also just because there's so much like the like margin of profit is very different and you're trying to reach a specific group and if you're especially like the difference between like mainstream like YA novels versus whatever like you're reading or I mean I I don't think any of the books that I like are like iconic to me have like queer characters at all or like have any discussion of it but I definitely could like if they did I wouldn't be surprised by it or to me it doesn't seem exceptional not it doesn't seem like a an exception when a book has a queer character it seems more like open and it feels more like common to me I don't know also like if you're reading a book and there is like a gay character in it you're less likely to be like oh that's just like they're there because they had to have diversity or something yeah because you don't just like like, it's not even something I think about but because that's because like books are so personal like reading a book is a very personal experience and TV is like for a large audience. Yeah. So I think that's kind of like you were talking about the margin profit and like that stuff. I think the audience in there is always different. So yeah. maybe that's why. That's definitely true.
Okay. Well, um, any like last thoughts, questions, anything? I just want to say like, kind of like apologize for like. I feel like I spoke like within the gender binary, and I just feel like that's just because like within films, I don't even know if like there are any like non-binary characters like ever. But yeah, I just wanted to. Oh no, say that's that. that's fine. I think it's fine to function within the system, and at least you're aware of it. High five. No. <laughs> no disrespect to my dad. You're a pretty cool dad. Oh yeah, my dad is a great guy. Yeah. Well, my, my dad is be emailing this to all of your dads. So <laughs> you better apologize. Yeah. <coughs> I'd like to apologize. Well, like, I think it's important that people learn. Like, be open to learning. Yeah, totally. Like, a be open to having a discussion in the first place. B be open to learning. I think that's important, and that's the only way progression happens in the first place. And it's sad because people don't want to discuss it and people don't want to learn about, like, being queer or just, the, like, just anything. You can apply that statement to anything. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I just think education, edu- educating yourself. Take the initiative, take the, yeah. I think oh. most of us are products of a system <laughs> that perpetuates, like, stereotypes and stuff like that. So unless you're actively thinking about it, critically thinking and, like, doing self-examination, if you do nothing like the apathetic, you're going to be pushed oh, totally. towards um, intolerance. Which and is why, like, the fact that we have shows that you can stream, if yeah. you're so lazy, even if you're, like, so apathetic and you don't, like, want to think about or care about, like, queer issues or representation or diversity, if you just click on Orange is the New Black or Sensei, it's going to be shoved in your face and you're going to have to deal with it. And it's high-quality TV. And it's high-quality yeah. And you're going to, like, be interested and, like, yeah. want to follow the characters. Yeah. And it's also, I literally think, like, peer pressure becomes a really positive thing. If you're like, <laughs> you don't want to watch Orange is the New Black, and then people so, force you so, to, so, and you learn so. about, like, prison industrial complex, and, like, racism, and all the, like, rape, and just horrible shit that goes down in prisons, mm-hmm. and just everything going on, and queerness, and the gender issues, and being a trans woman in prison is insane. Like, I think the pressure to learn about that is amazing. Also, to quote... Aristotle from my war and writing class. <laughs> yeah, happiness. Um, Aristotle says uh, a life, um, a life without self-reflection is not worth living. Mm. Essentially, that's like very. That's not what he said. But um, yeah, I think that's kind of goes with what Andrew said. He's like, you have to reflect and like critically think about stuff. And if you don't have the drive to do that in the first place, then you're not gonna learn. Yeah. And you're not gonna progress as a human being. All right. Thank you guys all for being here. Sorry this ran so Can walk.